How y'all doing this morning? Y'all good? I'm excited. 90 years is a long time. I don't know about, it's a long time. Hey, in case you don't know who I am, I don't know if I said it already, my name is John Ravichander. I'm the director of youth and young adults here at Circle, and I have just the absolute privilege and the honor of being here with you this Sunday as we celebrate a milestone in this church's history and in this church's uh, legacy. So thanks so much for being here this morning and for celebrating with us in the room and online. Welcome to our friends joining us online. Hey, I want to take you back to 1933 because it was 90 years ago this month that this church's history began. You see, it didn't start with much. In fact, it was a Hail Mary kind of situation because three years earlier in, in 1930, they tried to plant a church and it failed. So 1933, it was Operation Resurrection, if you will. Circle was the second chance. Now to make matters worse, Saskatchewan was in a three-year drought. It was the dusty, dirty 30s. So we didn't have a lot going on for us. You see, the little white church, as they called it, we didn't own that church, but we rented it for $15 a month. That was a lot of money back then, though. $15 a month. If only that could be our monthly bill here. Wouldn't that be excellent? Attendance, you know, rarely exceeded about 25 on a good Sunday, like probably Easter Sunday. It hit 30. Ooh, 30 people. The offering came in at about $10 a week to... To make, uh, to make the ends meet there. You see, we didn't have anything you think that we would need to make for a great church, except we did have the living word of God, we had the power of the Holy Spirit, and we had some faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers who believed that God had called us to start a different type of church. There was a faithfulness of the people that God was in this and that God was going to meet their needs. You see, for many of us, including myself, we really don't understand the sacrifices and the miracles that have taken place over 90 years to bring this church to where it is today. You see, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church, but I was not a Christian. If that sounds confusing to you, it's just because it's true. You see, I was a church goer, but I never clearly understood the gospel and the message of Jesus. But when I came to this church, my prepubescent self, I started to read the Bible. And as I was surrounded by Jesus-like people, something started to happen. You see, as I read through the New Testament of the Bible, and I got to Ephesians chapter 2, and it was there that I read that you were saved not by your works. You see, up until that time, I had felt shame. I tried, to, I tried hard, man. I tried hard to be good enough, but I never quite felt good enough. But what happened is I recognized that I could be made right with God, not by my own good works, but by grace through faith. You see, I had been transformed by the grace of Jesus. And I kept reading, and reading, and reading, and reading, and, and, and I was so confused. Because what I saw in the gospel, what I saw in scripture, was so much different 
from what I saw in that little church that I grew up in. You see, Jesus cared about the broken. And it seemed in the church that I was in, we tended to avoid them. You see, Jesus loved the sinners. And we seemed to gossip about them. What I read about in Scripture, I saw grace and love and mercy and power. And what I saw in the church and honestly just in other Christian circles around me was judgment and hatred and hypocrisy and apathy. You see, something, something didn't seem right. But it was here, sitting in the back section, in the back pews of the very last row, it was right there that I recognized who Jesus came for. He didn't come for just religious people. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the broken. He came not just for the righteous. He came for the sinners. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus came to save the world. You see, I want to give you the context for the text that we're going to look at this morning. But this is after Jesus had fulfilled his assignment from the Father. You see, God loved the world, and God loved the world so much that he didn't just shout his love from heaven, he showed his love on earth. God became one of us in the person of Jesus. He reached out to the most hurting, and he reached out to the most broken people, the people that religion often rejected. Jesus loved them. He never sinned, yet he went to the cross to die in our place, in your place, and in mine. He was stripped naked. He was publicly shamed and abused. And then he looked up to heaven and he said, it's finished. I did what you sent me to do. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he gave his life. You see, the world went dark and the earth shook. And then they buried Jesus in a tomb. And three days later, we know the story. That stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty and he was not there. The son of God, my savior, my Jesus, my Lord, he was not there. And in his grace, man, what I love about Jesus, in his grace, he went back to the one who denied him. He went back to Peter and he said, Peter, I forgive you. Do you love me? Go, feed my sheep. And then he commissioned his disciples, just like he commissions you, just like he commissions us, to go into the world and to bring the good news of Jesus. And that's what Peter did. You see, Peter preached a powerful message of repentance, saying, turn from your sins, and 3,000 people were saved on that day. And these early group of radical believers, much like the group of people 
that started this journey 90 years ago and all along the way had this unbelievable commitment to the way and to the message of Jesus in the midst of some tremendous hardships. And we're here today because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through that first century church. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have the message notes in your hand on the printout or on the YouVersion Bible app, I'd love for you to turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're just going to work through some of this text starting in, in verse 42. You see, the Word of God says this about that first century church. Here we go. In verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love this text because it's this right here that influenced exactly who we are today. See, as we take a look back on the miracles and some of the moments of this place, I, I pray that you'll better understand who and what we are as a church. You see, this is an intensely devoted church. This is an intensely devoted church. In verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. You see, devoted, I love this word, word devoted. Devoted in Greek, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce this. You can figure that out on your own because I'm going to butcher it. But in Greek, it means to be persistently obstinate, to be determined to, be fir to firmly adhere with single-minded devotion. You see, I love this because it wasn't just a casual or a comfortable or a cultural Christianity. This was a full-on, all-in, sold-out, fully devoted followers of the way of Jesus. You see, when we look back on the history of this church, that's what we see years ago, and that's what I believe we are going to continue to see in this place, fully devoted followers of Jesus. You see, at the inauguration of this church building, more than 2,000 people poured into this place that Sunday morning. And people have asked, how did the church grow so much from that little white church with 25 people to pack in this place with 2,000 people on that inauguration day. It's because the core was so devoted. The core was so devoted. You see, the first pastor, Reverend James Murray, he says this, and I just love this. This really should be our attitude forever and always. We preached the word and we loved our little flock and found the joy of the Lord 
to be our strength. Pastor Walter Boltz had a goal during his time here. He served nearly 30 years. And he had a desire to see 50 people enter full-time ministry during his time here. It's a lofty goal. But as Pastor Walter Bolt's time here came to a close, they didn't quite reach 50. They had 57 people enter full-time ministry. You see, this has been a church where the core has been devoted to the one single mission of bringing the light of Jesus to Saskatoon. It's a people who recognize that church isn't just something that we do. You see, church, it's not just a hobby. It's not a hobby at all. It's not something we do. It is who we are. We don't go to church. We are the church. You see, one of the things I find absolutely absurd I use some stronger language in here, but I'm going to tone it down. One of the things I find absolutely just absurd and just plain silly is when I hear from people that say, I can't find a church that meets my needs. Or this church doesn't have this for me. Or this church doesn't have that for me. You see, that is spiritual consumerism. And that's the opposite of what Jesus has called us to be. You see, we are spiritual contributors. We are not spiritual consumers. Can you say that with me out loud? We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. Thank you so much. See, the church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. This is an intensely devoted church. Second, this is an irrationally generous church. Man, right from the beginning, right from the very beginning, there was a sense that whatever belonged to us belongs to God. And throughout, throughout these 90 years, man, God has built a spirit of radical generosity that's born right out of Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And we're going to read it. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then in two chapters over, we actually see the result of this text in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, where it says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Man, there have been some extraordinary acts of irrational generosity in this place. You see, we've met the need not only within the walls of this church because we have first and foremost have to meet the need within here, but we have met the need in our community and in the city of Saskatoon. I would spend hours up here sharing all the things that this church has done in this city. You see, back when this church was still on University Drive, it's 1973, and very little of our mortgage principal had been, pay had been paid, so we were in a bit of debt. Now, because of this, the church's ability to reach into the community and have an impact in the community was restricted. And so at the time, Pastor Walter Bolt, he challenged people to contribute so that the church could be, they loved slogans back then, debt-free in 73. It was an unheard of challenge. 
but $173,000 was collected in nine months. They completed the mortgage payments, and that freed the church to follow God's next directive. And God's next directive was big. You see, by this time, the church building was full. It was to capacity. And the need to relocate became abundantly clear. And so the church, raised, the church membership raised $100,000 to purchase 31 acres of land, which they traded for 20 acres of highly visible and accessible land off of Preston Avenue South and Circle Drive. Now, a consulting company stated that the absolute maximum that the congregation could raise was $750,000. But the architect of this building indicated that we would need a minimum of a million dollars for building. And so Walter Bolt, he talked to God, and he said this, he said, quote, Lord, I don't know how we can possibly raise that kind of money, but I want you to know that I believe you are leading us, and I am willing to trust you. And the, Star, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix recorded the results. And this is a quote. This is an excerpt from the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. <laughs> in less than two weeks, come on now, in less than two weeks, University Drive Alliance Church in Saskatoon has raised more than $1 million for construction of a new complex. Come on now, that's got to that's gotta do something to you. In 1991, when Pastor Eldon Bolt was just one year into his 30 years of service in this church, we would encounter yet another miracle year. You see, we were waiting a response from the bank. Our board of elders had sent a proposal uh, to the bank, and the news back from the bank was absolutely mind-boggling. You see, it was announced that the bank would suspend all interest charges and that they would forgive $1.8 million of debt if the church would raise $700,000 by June 1991. And so God provided for each person so they could pay for the amount due, and the bank forgave that debt. You see, we are incredibly blessed with this place, yes. We're incredibly blessed, that is no secret. It's no secret at all. But this church wanted to be generous far before we were blessed. Again, I don't have the time to tell you how people have been blessed by others in this church, but I hear and I see the stories. You see, we have and we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we're a church that truly believes it is more blessed to give than to receive. And one thing comes to mind when we think of irrational generosity in this church's 90-year history, because they've tried this. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. They've tried. This is an intensely devoted church. Two, this is an irrationally generous church. And third, this is a church that boldly shares the love of Jesus. Yes, we are. You see, this little group of first-century Christians, they got together and they broke bread, 
and they ate together, and they enjoyed the favor of all people. And in verse 47, in Acts chapter 2, it says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Some very influential people in my life have come to know the way and the life and the message of hope of Jesus in this place, and just in some of the pews that you are sitting in right now. You see, 90 years ago, um, it, it was one. It was one person. And the Lord added to their number, and the Lord added to their number. And from that little white church to this cathedral on the prairies, as we're known as, it went from one person being baptized into the family of God to this. Hmm. You see, you can't tell me that God wasn't doing a thing. In this church's history, 1,824 people have been baptized into the family of God. Yeah. You can't tell me that God wasn't doing a thing and the Lord added to their number daily and the Lord added to their number daily. Hey, you might age yourself if I ask this question, but how many of you remember the singing Christmas tree? Just show of hands. You can put your hand up. So, actually, quite a lot of you. I wasn't around for that, but I've heard it was a spectacle. If you don't know what it was, I don't know, you might have to ask some of the people that have been here. I've just heard the story about the donkey, and I think it was, you know, with the enema and all that stuff. Anyway, I shouldn't tell, someone else can tell that story. But it was a Christmas spectacle. It was an opportunity for this church to share the message of the birth of Jesus to this city and to this community. And in one year in particular, we had an amazing year. In five nights of the singing Christmas tree, we had 11,000 people pour into this building to witness the story of the birth of Jesus. You can't tell me that we don't boldly share the love of Jesus. How many of you, just show of hands, knew that we used to broadcast on television? A few of you, yeah. It was called Turning Point TV with Walter Bolt. And on an average Sunday, they reached an average audience of 42,000 people. And I want you to take a look at this real quick. I hope you're having a great Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Turning Point. For 16 years, Turning Point has come into thousands of homes each Sunday afternoon with a message of hope for the whole family. This is rather a historic moment. This is the last edition of Turning Point. 42,000 people every Sunday heard the message of hope of Jesus. See, I love this quote from Pastor Craig Rochelle. He's a pastor of Life Church down in, in Oklahoma. And he says this. He says, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things that no one is doing. See, we were one of the first churches to hire a full-time children's pastor. And 40 years ago, uh, the, the people in this church recognized that there was, uh, there was no one reaching effectively into the city for families with kids during the summer months. And thus, Kids Capers was born. And having just celebrated our 40th year of kids' camps this summer, year over year, we've 
had the ability to share the love of Jesus with thousands upon thousands of young people. I was told by Cindy Bales, our director of Kids and Family Ministries, just this past week, that from 1983 to this summer of 2023, we've had, and get this, we've had 9,287 kids capers campers. Wow. You can't tell me that we don't boldly share the love of Jesus with this next generation. You can't tell me that. You see, in 2019, I I realized that there was a void in our Stonebridge community. For youth in in the summer months, there wasn't really a place where they could go and where they they could have something to do. And so we as a church, we started the YXC Youth Drop-In. It was for youth in grades 6 to 12, and it was a no-strings-attached space. There's nothing like it in our city. Where our people in our church, where our teams, and we have great teams here, where they could just love the young people in this city. And we've had more than 400 unique youth that have experienced that environment. What a blessing. You see, you can't tell me that we don't boldly share the love of Jesus. You see, all of these had risks. Some of them had big financial risks. But we are a faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. You see, some would have said at some point, at some point this church would have been a mega church by some standards. And I just hate that label. It's a label that I just reject wholeheartedly. You see, this is a micro church with a mega vision. We've got a big vision. And over the last 90 years, we've come, and we're coming with an intensely devoted group of people who really believe that what they have belongs to God with their gifts, their time, their talents, and we will share the good news. We will share the life-changing news of Jesus. Can I just for a moment just brag if I, if I can? I'm, I'm going to anyway because I have the mic and I'm friends with Ben who's not going to mute me, so I want to brag for just a moment. You see, when I think of intensely devoted people. The first people that come to mind is the staff in this place. I have never met a group of people so unapologetically devoted to bringing the radiance of the love of Jesus to Stonebridge and to the city. This is a people that have sacrificed more than you can understand, more than we can know, because they felt the call of God to serve in this place. They are my friends, they are my family, and they are faithfully devoted followers of our precious Jesus. Intensely devoted, not just to this church, but to the church. And you see, this matters to me personally Because when you look into Saskatoon at the number of people that need grace, at the number of people that need hope, 
that need healing, that need forgiveness, that need community, that need love, that need acceptance, that need salvation. When you see that many people, you can't just sit back in your plushy pew and say, mission accomplished. You see, we need intensely devoted people, irrationally generous people to share the love of Jesus because as long as there is one, as long as there is one, as long as there is one, because I was that one. Even though I was hardly a a teenager, I was so full of brokenness, I was so full of pain, and this church gave me the word of God in a tangible way where I could clearly see and understand that I was not what my past said I was, I was not what my failure said I was, I was not what I had done no matter where I'd come from and no matter where I was going, there was an invitation for new life with Jesus. And so I came to Jesus. And I'll tell you exactly, I'll tell you exactly how I came to Jesus. I came to Jesus with pain. I came to Jesus with insecurities. I came to Jesus with fear, with brokenness, with shame. I came to him with enemies. I came to him in bondage with things that I couldn't overcome. I came to him as I was. You see, you might be here or or you're watching this, and maybe you're reaching for the exit door of faith. Maybe you've been hurt before because the church has made promises about God that God just hadn't made. Would you hear this? No matter what your skin color is, no matter what your background is, no matter how dark your life is, no matter how dirty you've been, no matter how afraid you are, no matter what questions you have or doubts you have, no matter how deeply you've been hurt or how skeptical you are, you can just come. This is who we were. This is who we are. And it's who we always will be as a church. After all, Jesus is the one who says, come. It was because of intensely devoted people in this place who were unwavering in their love for broken people like me. It is because of an irrationally generous people that gave their time, their abilities, and yes, their resources that nurtured broken people like me. It is because of people, many of whom are right here in this room right now, sharing boldly the love of Jesus, not just in their words, but in their actions, that I could come as I was. But make no mistake, I did not leave as I was. Come as you are, you will not leave as you are. You see, when you go all in, you will not leave as you are because Jesus makes us new. When you experience the love and grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, you can't help 
but be changed. And for my brothers and sisters here, that you already know this Jesus, and you love Jesus, be intensely devoted. Be irrationally generous and boldly share this love that you know. You see, these are lessons and encouragements from that first century church. And these are lessons and encouragements from the giants that have come before us in this beautiful place. You see, the bottom line is this. If you remember nothing else from this morning, I pray that it would be this. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. You see, when we look back and see the faithfulness of God in our own personal story, it makes what is to be written a little less scary. When we understand where we've come from, we can better see where we're going. When we understand our history, it allows us to see how we're a part of his story. You see, this whole morning isn't about giving ourselves on the pat on the back, like, oh, good job, circle. If you think this is a promo for circle, don't get it twisted. This is about giving praise where praise is due. This is about giving recognition where recognition is due. This is not about the good works of, or of a people or a building, but it's about the faithfulness of a good, grace-filled God. It's about giving praise to the faithfulness of our God in our past and giving praise for his promises for our future. You see, we can have faith or we can have control, but we cannot have both. And seeing the faithfulness of God, why would we choose anything else other than faith? You see, in this season of transition that we're in as a church, it's easy to opt out. Can I just say that just very bluntly and clearly? It is easy to opt out. But that's not church. That's not what Jesus calls us to do. Opt in. Don't opt out. And don't just opt in to be a spectator. Go all in. You see, we don't go to church. We are the church. You are ambassadors of the risen, death-conquering, miracle-working Jesus. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church. And we exist for Stonebridge. We exist for Saskatoon. We exist for the world, and we exist for the one. And as we continue our 90th year celebration over the next several months, because it's not just a one-time thing, there's no way that we can look back on our past, how God has been so faithful and so good, and not say, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Would you stand with me this morning? As we close the message today, I just want to echo the words of Pastor Walter Bolt 
as he prayed for a miracle. Because this is an example of someone having the option of faith or control and faced with the decision of not being able to choose both because we never can, he chooses faith. And so in the same vein, as we honor our past and as we look forward to the future, let this be our prayer as well. I want you to know that I believe you are leading us and I am willing to trust you. Hey, would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for this church. Thank you for your church. God, we give you praise for how good you've been and how faithful you've been to us. We give, pra- give you praise for the good promises you have for our future. We thank you, God, for 90 years of blessing this community, this city, and sending people out into this world to shine the light of Jesus. God, we give you praise for the thousands of people that have come to know you here and for those to come. We thank you for inviting us to not just go to church, but to be the church. And we want you to know that we believe you are leading us and we are willing to trust you. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Amen.